strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdell, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Got the whole gang back today. Uh, Dan is back. Welcome back, Dan. First episode for you in 2021. And you just moved into a new house, right? Yep. Feeling good. Moving has been a pain in the ass, but starting to get settled. Yeah, finally. And I actually think my internet's going to be way better here. I don't know. (laughs) I can already tell it is. Yeah. I realized when I moved that we had like the lowest quality internet. And our streaming, I don't know the different megabyte levels and whatnot, but like now I have the best possible internet I could possibly get. So, and yeah, bear with me. My internet, I'm in a new setup too in Florida, but I also ordered a new microphone and headphones for specifically for this. My old, I don't know what happened, I think just from moving around a lot, my old headphones and the microphone were just not working well, as you guys acknowledged the last few weeks. So, I've got my AirPods for today and just using my naturally loud voice as a microphone, but we'll be back with the professional setup next week. Yeah. So, sounds uh, great. Hell yeah. Does it sound good enough right now? Yeah. I think this is the best it's been in a while for everyone. I agree. Good weather, Corey. I'm back in humidity. <laughs> there we go. Humidity um, for Wi-Fi. Yeah. Good. I uh, appreciate Laura's flexibility. So before we get into Corey, your rundown here and Dan's current events, I figure we'll give Laura a proper introduction as I'm pulling her up here on LinkedIn. Her name is Laura Fortgang, career analyst, executive coach, author, and professional speaker, Montclair, New Jersey girl. So my sister went to school there. There you go, Corey. So we'll obviously have something to talk about right off the bat. She did a TED talk in Boca Raton a TEDx. So that'll be interesting. I, I'm curious to hear about that. 25-year veteran and leader in the personal coaching field, sharing tools, practices, and strategies for career and life satisfaction and leadership through numerous mediums, bringing out the best in people and their organizations. Uh, president and, and owner of Intercoach, now what? Co- coaching for the last 24 years. That's president and owner of a boutique coaching company, providing career clarity and direction supports to clients ranging from C-suite executives to homemakers. Also popular as a professional speaker, she offers programs to corporations, small businesses, colleges, and associations on using coaching skills as a leadership tool, as well as other success topics on the behavior needed to make important changes personally and in the organization. She's been a, a uh, author at Penguin Random House, has a national bestseller, a finalist for Books for a Better Life Award, a winner of the Silver Nautilus Award. She's a highly rated keynote speaker. It sounds like if anyone needs a pump up talk ever, Laura is our woman. Like, you know, those, remember those like rally up pump up talks they used to have in big plays at football games or any sporting event? I I can imagine Laura, I haven't even met her yet, but I can call (laughs) her an email exchange where she could rile up a crowd. So I'm curious you know, and I know there's always those people that'll jump out of a plane, but they won't speak in front of an audience. I'm the exact mm-hmm. opposite. 
but I'm curious to hear, I'm sure she's got some tactics around public speaking and helping people get out of that fear. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like that's a deathly fear out there. It's one of the biggest, some people are just deathly afraid of speaking in groups. Our dad. So yeah, our dad, Bob Roland, can't stand it, which is funny because everyone loves the guy. And I always like <laughs> get him going with that. He hates speaking in groups. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I was definitely like that growing up. I used to hate it. And then uh yeah, I just stopped giving a shit really. What there other people know. think. And it's fun. But yeah, yeah well, once you cool. get that first laugh, then everything kind of just relaxes and that's it. Laughter is contagious. Exactly. That's why it's easy for stand-up comics when it's a packed house. It's way easier than a small, intimate setting. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do we got the rundown this week? Let's pull it up here. So, I mean, I know for starters, because we were supposed to do this yesterday, but, um, yeah, I mean, the first thing was the game, Alabama, Ohio State. That was a bloodbath. That's why I don't bet on sports anymore. I mean, I thought that was going to be a close game. Maybe Ohio State wins. They get blown out. It seemed like they had a shot early to stick around and, you know, I know. Yeah, I mean, their star running back got hurt the first play of the game. That was, that was kind of disheartening. Yeah. To be honest, Danny's got me hooked on The Bachelor. So I was actually watching hey. Are you, are you screwing with us here? What are we doing? <laughs> Such a good show. Corey, I bet you watch it. I used to watch it like back yeah. in the day. Yeah, oh, I actually, God. I never used to watch it. And I started watching The Bachelorette. And now I'm watching The Bachelor. And it's honestly a great show. I don't, I think I could not put a dollar figure on what I would need to be sitting through an episode of The Bachelor. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Bachelor. What's you that? Should, you should be the next Bachelor. Me. Get the yeah. hell out of here. I'm like the exact opposite persona for that. <laughs> Come on. I mean, yeah. It's like a dream, that. though. You date 30 girls. It is a dream. Time. I mean, hey, I'm open to it. Get Easton Max on the horn. Isn't that her yeah. role? She's like a casting director for those types of shows. She might be able to line that up for her. She's always trying to get me to do shows with her. It's like, get me on that then. I'm not. Yeah, that's you know, a great show for you to be on. Eh, I don't think I'm tall enough. I don't understand the concept of The Bachelor. It's like. How could you date someone that's also dating like 20 different people? I think, Corey, the concept, you go on there and realize you have to keep being a bachelor. Like, I, I think that's what happens. <laughs> well, that's what typically I, happens. Yeah. But I, I watched like the first season ever with my mom back in the day. And it was like the people from Colorado. It was like the famous one. I forget their names, but it was like, it was awesome. I definitely enjoyed it. And they were like still together. But after that, I feel like everyone kind of like broke up after they got married. And I don't know. There's definitely some of them that stay together. You know, I was thinking about it because when I first started watching it, I was like, all right, this is just not a realistic situation. But then when I break it down, if you were at a resort and you were single and you were there for three, four months, which is how long it is, and you were developing these relationships with like all these different women throughout that whole time, I could see how you would like naturally maybe start to actually fall in love with a few of them. And I can see then how it starts to get crazy because you have like, you know, a lot of people yeah. that are there and you start building a connection with like multiple people on the show. And that's where at first I was like, oh, this all has to be staged. But then when you really break it down, I actually don't like part of it's definitely staged. There's no doubt about it. But like the whole plot throughout the show, I think is like kind of pretty real. And I like it. Yeah, no, I, I guess I was talking about like the opposite way. I get it for The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, 
but like being one of 30 people dating the same person, that's uh, got to be difficult from like the opposite set. set. Like that's be very difficult, especially yeah. if you watch that show before and you see they're all like cooking up with them. And yeah, yeah, you know what's up. I mean, read that book, Sex at Dawn, I told you guys about by Christopher Ryan. That like sums up The Bachelor to a T. Not, it doesn't go over reality TV, but it just, it's a great way. It's a great angle to look at it. It's fascinating. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's really, it's made me think like, oh, so I'm naturally making sense of things on a, in a different way completely. It's cool. Um, yeah. We got Quizmaster Sean in the background already. He's had four drinks since 420. That's <laughs> It's crazy. Look at this kid. Just New Year's resolution, drink more and have more variety. Like that's conscious thing. I like it. <laughs> they called him Kalua Kanj on his vacation last week. Where'd he go? I we'll find out in a bit. Corey, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to highlight? I mean, no, we just lined up the rundown. We don't have to do all of it since it was yesterday anyway. I mean, the other thing was obviously the social media platforms banning Trump. Terrible move. I was telling Dan, you, as a business move, Twitter, I mean, yeah, I know there was joking about Elon Musk buying Twitter to shut them down. But the reality is they're going to lose a lot of users that will never come back. <laughs> like that's just, it is what it is. That's what I think that was a, in saying that you always look at from a stock perspective, except this to me is a bit of an exception. Usually you buy the fear where it's like, oh man, this is tanking hard, but I'm not a fan. I've never really been able to justify owning Twitter as a stock. I feel like they've always done a terrible job of monetizing and their founder doesn't even care. He's focused on square and cryptocurrency in Africa and growing his beard. You know, I just got to add to switch gears here for a minute. I saw that they released, the CIA released the UFO black ball. And Mike, this kind of goes hand in hand with your prediction, even though it's not the first time it's happened. But there was another thing today where apparently they released the records of like all the different UFO stuff that's ever come in. Apparently they did it in kind of an old school way to purposely make it hard to translate it. But... Yeah, the New York Post put something up about it. And We're not the only ones here as much as people think it's everyone's in their own universe a lot of times. If there is a lot out there. That's what I, right. Yeah, I have a feeling Quizmaster Kanj, when we're done with the show, might spend his night going down a rabbit hole looking up these uh, documents. Well, Quizmaster <laughs> Sean is not human, but that's a whole different story. He's not from Earth. Well, yeah, that's true. Do we have him on here? He explains yeah. a little bit. And the, the last one, Dan, your prediction game came true with the Kardashians. Kim and Kanye got divorced. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was the quickest one ever. Yeah. And on that note, one of Kim's ex-boyfriends, Quizmaster Sean. That's true. Forgot about the 2007-2008 There it is. And welcome to everyone's favorite podcast game show, Win Mike Roland's Lunch. Who's going to win today? Is it Corey? Is it Dan? Or will Mike defend it? How are we doing today, everybody? We're doing, Conch. How you doing? Are you already drunk? I can't remember what year it is already. That's what we wanted. <laughs> mm. and so is this Jeopardy rumor true? Or are you taking over? I'm going to be starting a competitor to Jeopardy called 70s Jeopardy. 
Uh, it's going to be mostly about 70s pornography. So we're excited about that. Wow. We, we turned down that big tower amount just to be a rebel. Kind of. You know, it actually, actually kind of looks like that guy from that 70s show. He does. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Eric, the brother. The brother. Eric. Yeah. It looks like that guy, Eric. Eric, the guy from, and who, what other show were they in together? That one, uh, the recent one, The Ranch. Or no, Steve. His name was Steve, Steve. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know what's it. interesting? We grew up in a town with the redhead. Donna is oh, from Donna. We I think Steve's up in prison. Steve yeah, he is. I saw that. Yeah. And Sean's his twin. <laughs> I'm his twin who manages to stay out of legal trouble. Oh, yeah. So, Conj, what do we got for topics today? Uh, today, we're changing up the format a little bit. It's an exciting day here on Win Mike Bowen's Lunch. New year, new format. We're going three questions per person, and then we have a lightning round for our first ever lightning round of the podcast. Everyone get ready. Let's do it. Hell's bells, baby. Hell's bells. So our three categories here are, if you're not first, you're last, you'll be glad you picked this category, and making that bread. Dan, you're up. How are we doing this year? We're doing well. I have to say, I just moved, so I don't have any packages. I don't me. think any of us have packages right now. I have like four. Oh, well, Corey, I guess that's <laughs> why I know who's losing today. Dan yeah, right? <laughs> Dan also has three packages somewhere. Unbelievable. Coming unprepared. I know. I'm not giving Connell my new address. Where is Marie? <laughs> Maybe she has the package. Marie's downstairs. Uh, a two-story house. I really upgraded. <laughs> I love Marie downstairs. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, a little bit to Marie, but a, a big boo to Dan Rowland. Yeah. So what are you, what's Dan going to do when he loses today, Quizmaster Sean? And Dan, next week, he, he's going to eat all three of the things I sent him previously. Oh, man. All oh. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the year off to a winning start. All right, all right. I'll do. What was the last one? Making that bread. Making that bread. Making that bread. The U.S. makes 13 million tons of bread per year, making it the world's largest producer. However, according to Guinness Book of World Records, another country dwarfs the U.S. in bread consumption per person at 440 pounds per year. What country is it? Is it Chile, Italy, Russia, or Turkey? Italy. Is it Italy, folks? No. Yeah, you, to, you went with that. Turkey. Turkey. Is it Turkey? It I, was almost, I was going with that because, Mike, you were giving a look. Like, how could you give him such a look? Well, that's why I gave you that look. That's called yeah. a crap, baby. <laughs> so, little round of applause for Corey. He got it right. It is turkey. On average, uh, the average person eats three times their body weight in bread per year. Turkish, Turkish no bread is amazing. It really is, Corey. I've never had Turkish bread before. Is that oh, like man. phenomenal? Like, yeah, you have, Dan. It's like when you go to a Mediterranean spot, it's like this air... Filled, it's unreal. Uh, it like puts non to shame, even and non is phenomenal. That's the best bread in the world. No, Turkish, I think, is better than non. It's very, it's, it's so different. It's like non if you blew it up. And it's Corey, like, where do I get bread. Turkish bread tonight? Any Turkish place. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you guys quick story. I, I'm like, I was texting you about it earlier, but this was actually crazy. The house last night, 
came so close to literally burning down. We, uh, yeah, <laughs> Kenny was cooking bread in the oven and like went and showered and I was on a walk and like the entire oven lit on fire to the point where like flames were coming out of the oven. If we found oh it God. 30 seconds later, it was like evacuate the house and just let it burn down. So what did you do? I like quickly Googled, what do you do when your oven's on fire? And it said, <laughs> to turn, it said, cause there was no fire extinguisher and it said to turn off the oven and keep it closed. And we were about to like throw water on it. So we just did that. And after a while it burned down, but dude, like the whole entire house yeah. was smoking like crazy. Holy shit, that's crazy. Like coming out of the oven. I'm telling you, this was like getting to the point of full on house fire. It would have been welcome, crazy. Welcome to but, your new home, Dan. <laughs> I feel like that would have triggered Dan and Danny leaving South Carolina if that had actually gone through. That would have been my guess there. Luckily, that didn't happen. That would have been quite the intro to a two story house. That would have been awful. That would have yeah, been the end of a lot of my stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great advertisement for Google. What did Seriously. I do when, when this was on fire? I quickly Googled it. Yep. Yeah, no, I know. It was amazing actually how quick there was just like like you know when you start to type something in and then the option comes up, what do you do when your hands on fire? And I was like, oh perfect. <laughs> they do, they're already reading minds, clearly. Google knows what you're thinking. They it's do. like, oh, what is Dan gonna type in right now based on the situation we're yeah. spying on him with? So I am not domestic and I do not belong to the house. There we go. What'd you say? No, Conj would thinking that same thing. It's time to go camping. It's yeah. it's true. Now you're prepared. Let's do yeah. it. Let's All right. So moving on. Interruption there. Cheers, Conj. That's why I drank a beer to that. The dogs did, almost died last night. Even though the dogs were in the house. No, oh, I was actually on a walk with the dogs. Marie would have been fine, but the house <laughs> wouldn't have. Well, to Dan and his new non-burned down home. Congratulations on not having a pile of ash to live in. <laughs> now we will lose when Mike Rollins lunch. Maybe you will. We'll find out. Corey, you're up next. If you're not first, you're last. Or you'll be glad you picked this category. I'll do you'll be glad I picked this category. But also, Conch, people want to know what you're drinking in there. Uh, so my New Year's resolution is to have more variety of life. So I'm drinking uh, white plum wine. Mm. Mm. Some of that organic. It's organic and it's disgusting, but I stick to my resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be glad you picked this category. Will you? Let's find out. Yule is a holiday recognizing the winter solstice and has existed since the late Stone Age. It often aligns with the celebration of the winter harvest. Which of these foods is not, is not harvested in the winter? Is it Brussels sprouts, okra, kale, or leeks? Wow, I have no idea. I will just go with, uh, with okra for, I have no clue. Corey with a wild shot at okra, and he's right. Wow, wow. Oh, raining. It. There you go. Okra Jesus. from the woodwork. Blind shot wow. from three, and he nails it. Good job, Corey. Oh boy. Dan, in an early hole, you're gonna owe four punishments next week, buddy. I, I'm worried <laughs> for you. I could do push-ups. 
Well, we'll start with that this week, I suppose. <laughs> that brings us to our grand food master, Mike Rowland. Mike, how's your New Year's going? It's going, Con. New new environment here, warm weather. Any any good resolutions? Keep on winning. More. Keep on keep on winning. That's a good one. Let's find out if you can do it. If you're not first. Your last, and guess what? That is our daily double category this week. There it is. Well done, Mike. Everyone Thank else you. managed to miss him, but you got it. Mm. So for our daily double, the way that our daily doubles work is that if you get this right, you get two points. However, if you get it wrong, Corey and Dan have the opportunity to steal and get one point. Oh, let's go. Ooh. A lot like of pressure that. on Mike. I here. like the addition here. That's a good, uh, good little addition, Conch. Oh, we're getting crazy this year. Just wait. Dane's going to get a live animal sent to him next week. So your question for the Daily Double. As long as it's not a hamster. Oh, it's going to be a live scorpion, Dan. I'll tell you right now. Your question is, according to Forbes, this company profited $13 billion in 2020, a 30% increase from last year and is the largest food company in the world with almost 300,000 employees. Is it Anheuser-Busch, Nestle, Kraft Heinz, or Tyson Foods? I'm gonna go with Nestle. Is it Nestle? That is correct. Oh, baby. Two points. There we go. <laughs> yes, they're boosted this year by their frozen, frozen food brands. Frozen food brands. That Hot was almost because I was talking about their stock. Quite the year for Nestle. Yeah. Year. Well, well done, Mike. You're jumping great out. Of big Nestle league. has great chocolate products. Oh, Nestle's strong. Fan. Fantastic. And that brings us to our midpoint here, where we have to thank our sponsor. Jeff Roland, everybody. Wow. <laughs> if you're looking for a Roland brother between the hours of 4.30 and 5.30 on Monday or Tuesday, reach out to Jeff. He's the only one available. He's, he, he's at the tables, folks, either eating or playing. <laughs> he is eating right now, most likely. Round of applause for Jeff, everybody. Wow. Shout out to uh, Lodell Kitchen there. Yeah, Red Lodell Kitchen. What was that chef's name we had for like a hot second for like 38 he, minutes? Was it Chef Katie? Yeah. Katie, and there was another guy that was like in the kitchen for like Katie? as long as Dan's kitchen was on fire. Katie and Kane. <laughs> well, that that brings us to our brand new lightning round. Wow. So I'm in the lead right now because of the daily double. You're in the lead, but the fun thing about the lightning round is anyone can win and make a quick comeback. Wow. Let's see what y'all can do here. So the way the lightning round works is I'm going to read off a list. First of all, let me back up here and get my drink on. Who's your new intern this year? Yeah, who put this list together? Um, this list was put together by Andre over there. He's the uh, not-so-giant Andre, and he's doing wow. a great job so far. I hope he makes it to February. We'll see. Yeah, Twitter's blowing up right now. The uh, the fans want to know why you never have any female assistants. Wow. I've, so my female assistants all have just happened to have men's names. Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> yes, Andre. Like a Jordan actually, situation. It could be a guy. It could be a girl. 
Yes, Andre is a lady who is uh, 82 years young and uh, used to work for the Truman administration. Well, keep telling yourself. Hiring people of all ages. So she was with the Truman administration, what, as an infant? What What are we talking about here? Uh, yes, she was the child intern, and now she's the senior <laughs> intern here. Wow, long stint. Oh, she, she's a wonder. Doing the best job so far. Thank you, Andre. Conch, Twitter now saying that they know that Andre is not a girl. Uh, well, maybe she's catfishing me. I don't know. I didn't check. Wow, so you haven't seen her. This is a virtual assistant. <laughs> uh, well, it's something of the sort. I I prefer <laughs> not to get into the details of that one. No wonder you've been firing all these people, Conj. You don't even see them in person. It's just uh, <laughs> over the screen. Hey, you're done. Well, that's Four the thing about about being an alien, I can't really tell humans apart all that well. No, you're not on Earth. I knew you were able to drink like that for a reason. Oh, you'll find me in that UFO report. There we <laughs> go. For Sean, he's not on Jeopardy for a reason, folks. He's not here. Exactly. I'm in another dimension. And that brings us to the lightning round. The way this works is I'll ask a question, and then there'll be different answers to every category of the question as I go. You can choose from one of these answers on the side as the answer. All of you are eligible. It's about who dings in first gets the answer for that specific section of the question. So the way we're going to do the buzz in is raise your hand, old school style. Wait, so any, uh, sorry, I honestly blanked out. Any one of those are the answers depending on the questions you ask? Can we just raise our hand? I'm going to ask a question, and then there's going to be specific subparts of that question, and these are the possible answers to those subparts. Got you, it. And, uh, uh, Dan, were you a big uh, hand raiser in class growing up? I was. Well, this might be your time to shine and catch up then. Let's do it. So the question is, which country are these things considered lucky on New Year's. Wait, one of us, whoever's quickest, gets this? Who's ever up first gets it. Wait, what happens if we get it wrong? Nothing. There is no penalty whatsoever. Wait, how are we answering this? That's that. Raise your hand. Oh. Well, we're going to come up with a more complex buzzer system in the future. I'm working that one out. <laughs> I'm open to suggestions here on when Mike Rollins lunch. Send him to my inbox, uh, Andrea at uh, <laughs> Um What country is this considered lucky on New Year's? Tamales. Dan. Mexico. That's correct for a point. <laughs> 12 grapes. What was that? 12 Italy. grapes. Eating 12 grapes. Corey. Italy. No. Fuck. Dan. Spain. Spain is right, Dan, oh. with another point. Fried donut balls. Uh, Corey. Oh, man, I went too soon. You can give it to Mike. Well, this, is, this could be a city, right? Mike, no, it's countries. Oh, America. America is wrong. It's the, uh, Dan. Germany. Wrong. It's the Netherlands. Uh, Little what, pig. Netherlands is that even on there? Damn it, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, why, why did you guys the United States? That's I wasn't even looking at that. That's why I was just yeah. not even thinking. Oh, about it. We had Mike there. Oh. Damn it. I shouldn't have brought that up. I'm sending Andrea right back to the Truman administration, right? 
Right <laughs> after this, you can't hear you, John. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. Next up, little pigs made from marzipan. Mike. Egypt. Corey. Poland. Dan. Japan. No, you're all wrong. It is Germany. Uh, next uh, up, soba noodles. Ooh, Mike was quick Japan. on that one. Japan. That's right. Mike yeah. with the point. Uh, sausage and lentil stew. Ooh, that was close. But Dan, you got it. Germany. Oh, Mike, you're up next. Poland. Corey, you're up next. What? Uh, Uruguay. Wrong. It is Italy. Are you shitting me? That's, I was surprised, too. Pickled herring. Oh, Dan. What? What is that? He's already out. He's he's in. What'd you say, Mike? Or Dan? Poland. Poland. That is correct. Dan with another what, point. Give him thirty seconds here. What is this? Judges, judges, we're giving it to Dan. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Smashing dinner plates against the door of your friends. What country? Corey. Uh, Germany. Mike. Uruguay. Dan. Mexico. Wrong. It is Denmark. And that does it for this round. It genuinely is on here, but it's behind Quizmaster Sean. I, I like that. That. That, was, that was cool. That's a trick. Well, Quizmaster Sean, that, thanks for coming on here. So who, what's the result? Uh, the result is Dan wins with three points. He made it up in the lightning round. Good Yay! job, Dan. Well, of course Dan wins when there's no packages. No, you know, no pressure. Plus two thousand favorite pays out. Good job. So Unbelievable. There's a loser who must have a package, right? I, I believe Corey came in last with one point. Missed on the lightning round altogether. Oh boy. Oh shit. Let me go. <laughs> there we go. We got uh, Laura coming on here in about 20 seconds. <laughs> what is that, Corey from like 20 years ago? <laughs> it's Corey. That's all you need to know. Corey, any good New Year's resolutions before we go? Well, we'll get Corey to eat this next week, Conj, when you come on. You got it. And, with, and this has been... Win Mike Rollins lunch. Thank you, everybody. Welcome Thank to 2021. You. Corey, we'll get started next week with Con you eating that. Sound good? All right. Yeah, it sounds great. And without I'm further ado, we've got Laura Berman Fortgang coming on, uh, Jersey girl. So I'm pumped to talk to her. Let's get her Crazy. on air here. All right. So Laura will be with us. Love the Jersey accent. We all have that. It never leaves you. Uh, I think. And Corey, you said your sister went to Montclair? You know who else went to Montclair? Right. Eugene Wolfson. Eugene Wolfson. And you know, he went to, he was Bruce Willis's freshman roommate at Montclair State. I actually really? went to broadcasting camp there. Yeah. That's your dad's buddy? Oh, yeah. He has a funny story I'm not going to talk about on air, but you'll have to hear it from him, Corey. It's on, or we'll talk about it off. It's unbelievable. A, a funny story about their freshman year. That's so cool to have like a college roommate and then like, probably lose touch with them and then they become like a huge celebrity. Pretty wild, right? Yeah. Cause that's like one connection that's always there. There she is. Laura, there she is. How are you? I exist. Voila. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. How's your day going? 
It's going really well. I caught the tail end of, of that craziness that you guys were up to. <laughs> well, that's our childhood friend, Sean. We actually all grew up in New Jersey. I saw you're a Jersey girl with Montclair. We were yeah, just we're, talking about it. Where are you guys from? Uh, we grew, Dan and I, we're brothers. We grew up in Wachung, and Corey works with us. We're business partners, and he grew up in Manalapan. So is, is Wachung near New Providence? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right down the street. Yeah. So the Watchung Reservation. I grew up in New Providence. That's where I went wow. to high school. Exit 43 on 78. I'll is never that... forget it. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Wow. So, yeah, we, we know the same places. Yeah. Dan and I grew up right down the street from there. So are you in Montclair right now? What a what a? Or do you live in Montclair? I live next door in Verona. Oh, I love Verona. I used yeah. to run cross country in those trails. Oh, Verona's great. But we say Montclair because most people know Montclair. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Corey's, your sister went there, right? Yeah, she went to Montclair State. Oh, one of my kids goes there. Oh, very nice. I was a child bride. Laura, I already sensed from like you being on here for one minute, like I'm pumped up. I was talking to these guys off air. I was obviously doing some research on you. And I just get the sense that you're really good at getting people really excited. And I could tell by your energy, like coming on here, I want to go run a mile. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what people say. Like I had one of those surveys done on me recently, you know, like everyone comments on you and it's like, she is like the energizer. She's the cheerleader. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. But yeah. So, is that something you were born with? Cause it seems like you came out of the womb as a leader looking at your background here. Like when did you realize you had this knack? That's really sweet. I call myself an accidental leader. I'm really, I, I'm not, I'm like one of those people that is like, uh, is anyone going to do anything? Okay, fine. I'll do it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't set out to lead. I just like, can't, A, I can't accept the status quo most of the time. And B, you know, I, I'm going to like fill the vacuum if no one else is going to lead. So you like to get things done pretty much. I like to get things done and I've learned over the years to be less of a control freak. That's an important, important aspect. And how have you dealt with the, the last crazy year with that type of balance? Like the being, cause we're all like that too, trying to be go-getters. How, how has that been like for you, the adjustment throughout all this? You know, I surprise, I mean, I feel terrible for like my kids, you know, like my, you know, career taking off stopped college stopped. But for me, I have loved the pace of COVID like I can't even describe to you. It actually, at, in the beginning, it was awful, right? It was sort of like, you know, sit on the couch, drink. Is it two o'clock? Can I drink yet? It was, you know, <laughs> it was not very productive. And then at some point, I actually, like the time and space and the mental space made me realize like I, this big leap I needed to take in my business. And it's been so energizing. So for me, it's been like the pivot was fabulous. And Laura, from a leadership perspective, like have you seen any obstacles with the virtual world from being able to coach people? Like, do you think there's a vital element to the human touch that you're pumped to get back to? Or what have you noticed with that? Well, I've, I've been virtual for way before it's time. So that, that doesn't, that part I know affects other people very much. Do you know what I mean? Like people mm. don't like the isolation right now. Uh, they don't want to be doing, you know, they don't want to be sharing their house with little people that need to go to school or they're, you know, they want their freedom that way. But, and I understand like in, in organizations, teams are suffering, like not being together. 
So there is something to the energy of a room, you know, like I'm a speaker, I'm, I'm a performer, I want to be on stage, like that is not replaced by the camera. You feel the energy, you bounce off the crowd. But what I will say is that I think that the electronic means has made us a appreciate how much we actually like being together and b made you realize like how much time you waste like there's a lot of wasted times in face to face you know whether it be Absolutely. like a meeting without an agenda or you know um water water cooler chat whatever oh man you're speaking our language here laura there's nothing i i hate worse than that where it's just like talking about the weather for no reason it's like what's going on here i want my meeting to have an agenda i want to go point to point you know i i run some community groups and you know volunteers are tough because they're no one's paid to be there and you got to keep their attention but i i'm the one who's like promises this is a 30-minute meeting or this is a 60-minute meeting and it is on time i i mean don't take me off my schedule because I respect people's time. Hey, and that, I guess, yeah, you're right. It's made us all kind of look a bit introspectively about time efficiency with how much time we've all had on our hands. And it's, it's easy to fall into that trap, especially early in the pandemic. But uh, it's cool that you've been able to just, it's interesting though, when you bring up the whole public speaking, there's something about a room having an audience. So Laura, have you done some virtual speaking events throughout all this? I have, I have some self-produced, like doing my own lives or some, you know, for organizations. And, you know, I, I don't mind the camera because once again, like that's a comfortable thing for me having come from a show business background, but it's not, it's, you can't see people. And, you know, it, when, usually when you're speaking, like you don't have all the little squares, like you might in a meeting because it's too distracting. But when you see people in an audience, like you can read the crowd you can see if they're bored if they're playing on their phone if they're um you know they like what you're saying they don't like what you're saying laughter you know i want to hear the chuckles so um and, and literally like you know that's like the difference between live theater and a movie like a performer on a live stage they'll get off stage and you know and go oh that was a that was a crappy audience why because they they didn't feel the energy of that audience like when the audience is with you and engaged and laughing in the right places or um you know you can tell you said something that made them have you know mind popcorn and they're like getting little ahas that part isn't as uh prevalent in an in a zoom or in a you know virtual means uh, yeah that just organic like you feel it in the room there's something i know what you mean there it's special that feeling yeah the energy yeah Oh man. And you said your backgrounds in show business. What, what are we talking about here? Um, I, you know, I, my parents forced me to go to college for whatever. I mean, I wanted to be a theater major and they wouldn't let me. So I ended up being a communications major, which you get a BS in communications. And I think that's very appropriate because like, what did I really come out of there with? Like I can write. <laughs> But like, I was less scared about going to New York City and, and trying to make it on Broadway than I was about writing a resume and getting a job. I was terrified. I didn't want to go that path. I was afraid I'd never do my dream. So I, you know, moved to New York with, with nothing and, uh, you know, gave it a good go. I, I did, I got my union card. I performed with a lot of famous people. I missed Broadway by hair. Like I didn't get on Broadway. And after almost a decade of waiting on tables and, you know, working good union jobs as an actor for half the year, every year, 
I just, I really couldn't stand the lifestyle anymore. It wasn't that I couldn't stand, you know, the show business. It just, I didn't want to wait on tables anymore. Wow. That, that's really inspiring. I think and we've seen a common theme with entrepreneurs that we have on the podcast, the power of the pivot, where you, you put yourself out there, you go after a dream. And regardless, it's like you're, you won from attempting it and giving it your all. So, you, you know, it's not like you're going to bed like, oh, what if I had done this? You did do right. it. Well, I didn't want to be 35 and then, you know, like have a family and a paycheck that I couldn't give up and never try. So I, I have no regrets. But, you know, you're, you're, that's a very mature thing to say. Like when I was in my 20s, I thought I failed. It wasn't like I sat there and go, oh, this will serve me well and everything else that I do. I mean, it was like, you know, I wasn't on Broadway. I, I didn't have the dream. I wanted to be Bette Midler, you know, and sing and be on Broadway and perform, perform, perform. And so I was, I was really dark. I mean, I really got depressed and I thought I failed at the only thing I ever wanted to do. And no one worked harder than me, you think, right? But on the other side of that depression, I had an intuition that said, you know, call this old acting mentor because he has your next job or career for you. And I was like, this voice in my head wouldn't stop talking to me. So I looked this guy up back before internet, found him in Maplewood, New Jersey. And I was like, I don't really know why I'm calling you, but like, I, I think I want to give up show business. He goes, oh, well, I've become a coach and maybe I can help you figure it out. So I was a client first. And within two years, I was like, I want to do what you do. So I was one of the first 16 people in this country to get trained officially as a personal coach. I was one of the 16 people that started the International Coaching Federation, which is like the biggest body that certifies, you know, universities now to have coaching in it. And my career took off like a shot. I mean, I've been on Oprah. I got book deals fall out of the sky. Like all the luck that I ever wanted out of show business came to me in that after that. So wow. it's funny how it happens when you're not exactly looking for it. And oftentimes that's how life happens. You're so right. And it also is how I ended up getting married too. It was like, I swear off men, I'm <laughs> done, don't want it. And then boom. I was like, oh no, but you're not in my plan anymore. But you know, I made him work hard for it, but we've been married a long time. <laughs> it's like, it's a wonderful life. We bring that up randomly on here. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Oh, a, a few times. A few there times. you go, Laura. So yeah, it's just, it's crazy how one action, it just, it's like a domino effect. And it's amazing hearing that. So take us through your journey then when you decided I want to do what you do with your coach, where you were, you had the conviction, you clearly had the self-confidence from your showbiz days. How did that get started? Like what, what piece of advice would you give somebody that is in a situation like you were in? Like what, was there an aha moment? Well, the, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, I had the show business thing behind me, but what that gave me was, I remember saying to myself like, oh, I don't care if no one's ever heard of coaching. Like I've been through rejection every single friggin' day. So this doesn't bother me at all. Like to do something in the real world, I was like, oh, I got this, right? But I had no corporate experience. I didn't have a psychology degree. I did take the time to get trained, but I had the chutzpah, you know? I just was like, I went from people who could pay me nothing or at the time $50 to be their coach. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna make it coaching artists and people like me, I need to get into corporate. And you know, here's, I had a lot bigger hair and you know, way younger. And 
I'm trying to get into the corporate doors and they're like, yeah, no, honey, you know, no. But I, I persisted and I found a back door, which was wellness. So I got into these corporations that had like gyms in their, in their buildings. And I do a free lunchtime talk about, you know, reducing your stress by setting boundaries and getting the toxic people out of your life and whatever. And one day the right manager came to the gym and she's like, I need you for my team. And that was my first corporate paycheck as an executive coach. And I leveraged the heck out of that. You know, that made me call the five other executives that I know and say, hey, I just worked at Johnson and Johnson and you need to have me come in for your team. And so I was off like a shot doing corporate work before like the Arthur Andersons of the world and all the other big consulting companies started to catch on to the coaching trend. So I had a long corporate resume um, and then decided like, oh my, I'm not jumping through the hoops once you have to compete with the big guys. So I went more personal market and that's been great too. And now the personal market, has that been really your foundation the last two, basically 25 years at this point? Um, I'd say of the 25, it's probably the last 15. Definitely. Yeah. Um, wow. and actually, it actually maybe 18 because it kind of exploded after 9-11. You know, 9-11 happened. It was devastating. I thought, uh oh, I'm a luxury business, you know, and the market crashed. This could be the end of my business. And four days after 9-11, my phone was ringing off the hook with people like life is too short. Anything can happen. I could die tomorrow. I've got to take the back burner dream, make it the front burner. I hate my job. I need to find something else. And that's how I actually became um, known in the last 15 years for helping people figure out what to do with their life. That's how I got into the personal market. And I love the name What's Next. And I, it's clever how you call yourself the chief everything officer. I, I, I think that. that's very yeah. fitting. You know, yeah. I, all of us can attest to the whole wearing multiple hats in our business. And Laura, what what's like an everyday routine like for you? Or is it not even consistent? Does it depend on the day? Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's 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 terribly regimented, but I definitely like, you know, especially with COVID, it's easy to get, just stay in your pajamas and start working. I try to like, you know, at least brush your teeth and make the <laughs> be like, just get the day going. I'm yeah. working now. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I've had an assistant for a very, very long time. And I always, you know, farm out some other pieces that I can't do myself, but I've always been command central. And the big pivot now too, is like taking on a bigger team and letting other people do stuff. So, you know, I, I go from being in the business to being the CEO and looking at the business. So some days are very tactical and some days are more vision and planning. So if that's helpful to like, how do I spend my days? And then I'm on with clients. Other times I'm creating content for the next thing. Is wow. it, has it been difficult for you to like take a, taking a step back and letting other people do what you need them to do for your business to grow and expand? This is, this is newer. So I'd have to say like, I'm in that challenge right now, but in yeah. a good way, in a good way, because I mean, it really depends on choosing the people that work with you. Right. Like if, you know, in the past, I've definitely fallen prey to like, oh, the first person who came along and they seem nice. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> and nightmare after nightmare. And so then you start to learn like really how to hire and, and, you know, put people through the paces a little bit, but, um, yeah, that letting go piece, not being the perfectionist, letting people do their thing. And also it's very real to outgrow um, certain scenarios. You know, like you might have 
someone that you started with in your business, you could outgrow each other. But, <laughs> but um, you know, just get to a point where like, oh my God, my business cannot grow unless I have people who can do this next level of things that I need. Yeah. And it's when you're building everything yourself at first, it's, that's a trust factor. It's easier said than done, right? Definitely. So the difference between a six figure business and a seven figure business is how much you let go and let other people do stuff because, mm. uh, you know, in a low six figure business, you could still be touching everything. But if you want to, if you want to scale, you need to start putting other people in place and trust uh, and trusting and minding the ship, you know? And Laura, speaking of trust, can you go over a bit the whole ethics and standard profession, like how that came to fruition? Because I'm curious to know, was there something specific that led you to feeling a need for that? Um, I think you're talking about the, I was like on the first ethics and standards committee for the International Coaching Federation. Uh -huh. which, which, yeah, I mean, that was such, that was such a, I don't know if I'll ever in my life have the opportunity again to be at the ground floor of something like that. So here's people, you know, let's say 20 people and you're like, you know, coaching is, you know, you don't need a psychology degree. There's really no certification. Like how do you protect this profession from being, you know, misused, abused or protect the public and make sure that they understand how to have um, a safe coaching experience. So we realized that we needed to come up with ethics and standards for an industry. How do we self-police ourselves? How do we not get sued? You know, so we came up with ethics and standards for coaching and that eventually grew to a credentialing process. So now, like, I mean, I did some work at a company and uh, they had read my resume about the International Coach Federation. It's like, oh, I will not have a coach set in foot, a foot in our building unless they have the master coach credential. And I'm like, oh, thank God I have mine. You know, like I, I was one of the first ones. I'm grandfathered in. Thank God. I don't know if I can pass the test. Wow. That's amazing. So you really helped write the book. Yep. A long that's, time ago. That's know, amazing. Like, yeah. Like we wrote the book and we made it up, you know, and it, and most things are made up, but you know, we, but we also wanted to be really ethical about it. Like they're really not there. There's been some cases on the books of like coaches running a pyramid scheme, but I've never heard of any huge cases of, you know, a coach leading someone astray or losing all their money or you know whatever there's been it's some like big anything, right? you always have random not random very few bad apples in any industry where it doesn't obviously represent what people are doing but that's great that you even had the foresight to be able to put something like that together because clearly that's needed in any industry yeah i mean i was the baby at the time like i was not i mean there were older folks you know in charge and i took a part of that i'm not taking credit for the whole thing but i was like i was i was in my 20s wow and everyone else was you know late 30s 40s or older and i was but i was in there and laura at what point can you go over your best-selling author days like what made you get to the point where you're like you know what i want to write a book and i'm gonna sell that book very well like that's incredible there was a lot of luck involved, but, but back to like, you know, you have to show up, you have to show up 100% for luck to happen to you. Right. So this is a great story. <laughs> you want to, want to hear it? Definitely. I did write, I don't, I'm not going to say what year it was because you know, this lighting is really good and you can't tell how. <laughs> um, so somewhere back then I actually wrote in my new year's resolutions, write a book. 
totally forgot about it. And towards the end, like mid-year, Thomas Leonard, who was the head of Coach University, he really gets a lot of credit for starting the personal coaching field. And he was the originator of the International Coach Federation. He would get a lot of media opportunities and he would share it with our little posse. And he was like, ah, oh, you guys might want to call this reporter. So I call this reporter. She, she was from Money Magazine. She'd probably talk to like 30 coaches that day. I was like, yeah, I don't need to talk to you. And I said, oh, yeah, but you want to talk to this client because I helped this client go from making 50 grand to 500 grand a year in 18 months. So they call her, they take her number, blah, blah, blah. And they say, we'll call you in the fall to take a picture. So when they called her in the fall to take a picture, she, the, whoever had this story was no longer on the story. And the photographer didn't know why they were taking the picture. And my client said, oh, you're doing a story on me and my coach. So the story became me and her, her trajectory of making 500 grand from 50 grand in 18 months, pictures, the whole thing. It comes out in December of this, of that year that I'm talking about. I had 500 phone calls, 350 people on a waiting list. I had to get my mother to answer my phone and pretend she was my secretary <laughs> and three publishers called. Have you ever thought of writing a book? yeah you know the second one calls you ever thought of writing a book well as a matter of fact i just spoke to you know one book <laughs> so on that same year that i wrote down write a book and i did nothing i got a book deal wow wow laura so i guess the wow. moral of that story is start writing things down if you want them to happen yeah but i gotta i mean i wish i could bottle those years and tell you like how they're repeatable well you put um, yourself out there that's the common theme i'm seeing you're fearless and you you have the confidence to put yourself out there and take risks 100 percent, 100 percent. and you know let's not forget that you know i've had people say oh you must have had a husband who supported you when you were building this i'm like uh, ee -oo, ee -oo. Uh, no. <laughs> that's all laura I love it. yeah no. I had, I was like probably the, you know, the wealthiest little waitress. I saved all my money, sucked it away. And I was like, okay, I'm giving myself this much time or this much money spent and I'm, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, granted my expenses were low and blah, 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 but it was, you know, I, I I'm so grateful. <laughs> uh, had quite the journey. Laura, do you remember your first keynote speech? Um, you know, I can't pinpoint like which was the first keynote. But I definitely have, I have the memories of the really bad too. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I have like, you know, great memories of the good ones too. But probably like the biggest one I ever did was for McDonald's. They had like their national conference in Vegas. And I had to do it three times, maybe even four, for 1600 people at a time in like a huge room in Vegas. And that was just such a rush. Yeah, that was, makes that makes me nervous thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I trained for it my whole life. <laughs> and, you know, and the fun part was like, you know, I'd worked in restaurants forever. I never worked in a fast food restaurant. But, you know, and I had I asked if I could interview, uh, you know, some of their employees. So the best part was like, I remember one woman saying, well, you know, I've, I've definitely been in the freezer crying sometimes when my boss is mean to me. And I use that example from the stage and the whole place cracked up because everyone has cried in the freezer at some point. You know? <laughs> and I can relate to that because I'd worked in restaurants for years. So some of my best keynotes have definitely been in the food service industry um, because I so relate to that.
Well, that's fitting. We're in the food business. Well, that's what. Why there we go, Laura. The stars are aligning again there. <laughs> I mean, I I was a miserable waitress. I mean, like, you, you, I my employers loved me because I was damn good at it. And they Laura, don't tell us the craziest order you ever had you ever served. Like, what's the craziest order somebody placed with you where you were just like, wait, what? Double take here. <laughs> I cannot fulfill that request, but I can tell you a re another really good story. Uh, yeah, let's hear let's it. Hear it. All right, so like the scariest moment I had as a waitress, besides the kitchen throwing a knife at me, and you know they missed, so that was okay. But what a blatant <laughs> or was just accidental? Oh no, on purpose. Whoa, what gets scarier than that? It's not my fault that they drink like fiends in that particular kitchen that I worked <laughs> at, and I asked for like I asked for a special order from for a customer, and I got a knife thrown at me, and it went right out the door into the dining room. Oh, oh man. man. But that's nothing. The best I is like always kind of crazy. I had these four guys just like riding me all night. Like I was the brunt of their jokes. They were, you know, they worked me so hard. And at one point, um, I forget what they asked for, but I was like, it just came out of my mouth. I was like, you are such an a-hole. I can't even <laughs> believe it. Or something like that. And you can see everybody stopped and we're like, and I ran away from the table immediately. Like I just taken another drink order and I went to the bar. I got their four Bloody Marys and I was like, not going to charge them for it. And I could hear as I walked away, I was like, did she just, did, did, did she just call me? And I go back to the table. I'm like, you guys are so much fun. Oh my God. It's so good. <laughs> and the whole thing like went unnoticed, but oh I had never sweated it so much. It was just one of those nights where it was like you got it, you know, you were triggered. That I was triggered, right? They were mean. I mean, you know, I was the brunt of their jokes all night, but they thought they were funny. Was was that in New Jersey? No, that was in the in Manhattan. Oh wow! Yeah, like that's like almost acceptable in New York or New Jersey. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was such a bitchy waitress, but I was so good at what I did that I got away with it. I'm much better now. I'm not as bitchy anymore. Where in uh, where in New York did you were you a waitress? Any in Chelsea. In Chelsea, there was a restaurant called Claire. Does it's not there anymore. The restaurant exists, but the mm -hmm. owners are gone. And it was a it was a Key West inspired restaurant, and it was a gay restaurant. But I was so naive, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I'm working in a restaurant where the guys call each other Mary, and no one ever hits on me. And I was like, oh, oh, I think I work in a gay <laughs> But it was awesome. I mean, I had I had such a good run there. And I would go and do my acting gigs and call them two weeks before and say, can you get me on the schedule? And they would, I never was without a job because that I was valuable to them. I ended up building the whole training system for their restaurant. Little did incredible. I know my next career was like knocking at the door because I create training programs, like train people on how to do things right. So working at that restaurant, they would put someone on me, be like, you know, train trail her for three days and you'll work here. And I hated that. So I created a training program for the restaurant. At the Laura, forefront of everything. Like, yeah, I feel like Laura, you would make a hell of a sports psychologist. <laughs> I, I could just see it. Like I, I took a class on that in college and I, I feel like you would make a killing in that industry. What was your big takeaway from your class? You know, that people just need a soundboard to a lot of times 
get through things. And like athletes, some of these top-notch athletes, you know, it, it takes certain things to get them in that flow state. And being able to expand that is extremely valuable for a pro athlete that's got millions of dollars on the line in a contract. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I've definitely used, you know, back when Tiger Woods didn't have, what didn't do bad things. I would use, um, he's, he's <laughs> redeemed himself now, but I, I would often say like, if Tiger Woods, Woods has a coach, you should have a coach. Like everyone should have a coach. So I've definitely used some of that, but it's with people who own businesses or people who are corporate, you know, corporate employees or executives. Same idea. It's and funny. Or, to say or that. Sorry, what were you saying, Bart? No, it's just funny you say that because I've always, I've always thought about that. You know, the concept of Michael Jordan having a coach or Tiger Woods having a coach when you're the best at that sport and someone else is teaching you. Yeah, it goes hand in hand. Exactly what you're saying, but that's something I always thought about. Yeah, I always, we, yeah. You know, we can't see ourselves, right? You like we have our own blinders, and you know, yours are named Mike and Dan and Corey, and mine are named Laura. I mean, I, I, I submit myself to coaching all the time. Hey, the best need to be coached too, right? Yeah, you get, you know, you grow. If we don't, if we don't keep growing, then we're we're not of any use to anybody else. It's a great point. And Laura, for our viewers, this is clearly something that a lot of people are like deathly afraid of. Like I have friends that will jump out of planes but can't speak in front of a group of people. I was joking with these guys. I'm the opposite. I love group speaking, public speaking, but I Dan and I, I think Corey too, jumping out of a plane. I don't know if that's our thing, but what kind of advice would you give somebody that's really afraid of getting in front of a group since you've done so many keynote speeches? Go and take an improvisation class. That is my, that's my advice. Like you just have to get out of your own skin. And if you go take an improv class, like you, you know, there, there's the basic rule of improv is you never say no, right? So you might say, well, Laura, your shirt is brown. And I don't say, no, it's not, it's yellow. I say and it turns into yellow if you look at me just the right way right so you're always building on things instead of saying no to things and mm. it's a great training for putting yourself in front of a crowd because you have to be in the moment and i think the best speakers i mean you prepare and you have your outline but you have to let go and really just be there so i think you know if you're too scripted you'll be nervous. And if you're not scripted enough, you'll be nervous. So Power it, of the is, improv. it is, it's getting comfortable with improv. I mean, I wish I could, my TEDx talk was the only talk I've ever done that was scripted, like word for word for word, because it had to fit in a, it had to be rehearsed right. at 12 minutes and it had to be 12 minutes. What was that like for you compared to, cause I could tell you're very good on the fly off the cusp with being genuine. That's my favorite. Yeah. So what was that like having to follow such a defined script in like a tunnel vision like that? It was really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I hired someone to help me. I did because um, I'm used to speaking off the cuff with, you know, I know my stories. I know, I know the work that I do. So it comes second nature. But when it came to that, it was, you had to be so specific. It had to be written. It had to be memorized. Um, and it, it was an interesting dance, but I had a funny thing happen that, um, the organizer decided to do it in an out, outdoor venue, which is not recommended. And the whole time there was like a clanging noise from the wind, um, doing something. So I did my whole talk, I get off stage and they're like, uh, 
you have to do it again because that noise Ooh. was just, uh, it ruined the whole oh take. So there was a benefit and a negative to that, right? So the negative was that everyone already heard the talk. There was, you know, there had been laughter. There had been, um, you know, a lot of interaction with the audience that is hard to repeat. But the best part was that I got to go several hours later it, in the evening. So the lighting was better. I was calmer because I knew I could do it again. So I got like the, the best, you know, the best tape out of it that I could have ever hoped for. Wow. That's incredible. I didn't realize TED Talks were that scripted going in. That I, You would think they would want the creators to do their thing naturally. Well, when you have a time limit like that, like so strict, um, yeah, they, they have to be scripted. That's interesting. <laughs> and yeah. Laura, we got to ask, you know, being in the food business and I'll pivot to a couple of food questions here. For starters, do you have a favorite restaurant in Manhattan or around your neck of the woods in Jersey? Um, there's my new favorite in Montclair is called Faubourge. I think that's the right way to pronounce it. They took this building that had been a bank, that had been a theater, that had been a million things and created this two-tier restaurant. And the food is outrageously amazing. Mm. Um, so that's my new favorite place. But I I mean, look, I'm happy at a street vendor if the food is good. Now we're talking. Yeah. About, uh, what's your favorite slice of pizza in New York City? <gasps> Oh my God. It's actually that one dollar. I don't know if it's still a dollar. I think it's on the corner of it's near the it's near the port authority. Is it two bros or two bros pizza or something like that? It's like is it two bros and it's like a dollar? It says a dollar on the outside. Yeah, I know it's right by the port authority. It's like I thought it was two bros or three bros, yeah, but it is it 99 is thin cents. Thin and crispy crust, but mm. New York, like you just can't. Now I want pizza. I know. Me too. I'm so good right now. And that was Laura, my last meal before I decided to go on a diet. What? Uh, have you ordered in at all throughout the pandemic, like noticing picking up your pickup and delivery habits a bit? Um, you know, I was surprised at how little we did in the beginning, but now we're we're like, yeah, g give it to me. Bring Just in the food. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like our favorite, like as a family, we love all you can eat sushi night mm, at, at our place. And you can't do all you can eat in the delivery. You can't. So sushi's been a bummer. That would be like the business where we, someone just keeps funneling your family sushi every like 30 minutes. On right. Twitter. The car should just keep coming back around and be like, do you want anything else? Do you want anything wow. <laughs> Maybe we should feature that as a little like fun gimmick. So I think sushi, that would be hysterical. Yeah, sushi subscription. And more, yeah. what's your ultimate cheat meal? Like if if it calories mean nothing, you're just like up. Oh, it's cheat day Sunday or food coma Sunday. Oh my god, that gives me so much anxiety. Look, <laughs> there's three food. <laughs> there's three that set me off though. We already mentioned pizza. It's yep. pizza, uh, sushi, um, and and any kind of really any kind of Asian food. Oh, like, of course, like good Chinese, good, right. good Chinese, good oh, sushi yeah. and pizza. And I say set me off because then there's no one like there's no have it and done. It's like then the next day I want more starch and yep. then I want another noodle, you know, so all I do is go on runs to eat more starch. Like my life is just consuming starch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Laura, this has been an absolute treat. And uh, for our viewers, where could they find you personally and your business? Where's what's? Do you have a website? I do. If you can get the name, you can find me because there's there's no other Laura Berman Fortgang. That if you go to sticky. Laura Berman, she's the sex doctor. So go to Laura wow. Berman Fortgang. <laughs> <laughs> That's marketing in itself. You already uh, you have it made with that, Laura. It's, I love that. Dr. Laura Berman and I have been uh, like I get calls for her all the time. <laughs> that she probably gets calls for you too. I hope so. I had yeah. a website before she did, and I can't tell you some of the voice messages that were left. In my <laughs> Maybe she needs your coaching. <laughs> There's a long story in there. But anyway, LauraBermanFortGang.com. Google me. Um, there's lots of freebies on my website too. So if there's anything I said, you, there might be a freebie for it. Pump to check out your website, Laura, and maybe we could all grab a slice next time we're up in your neck of the woods. Oh, it's a date. Let's do Thanks, it. Laura. Thanks, Laura. Thanks so Thank much. You Enjoy the day. Nice to meet you. You too. You too. That was awesome. Laura, yeah, she was great. Great guest. It seems like she's crushed it over the years with coaching and you know, it shows again, we always talk about this guy's common theme with success, putting yourself out there, being shameless. And, you know, you have to take risks in entrepreneurship and the power of the pivot. She tried showbiz. It didn't work. She didn't stick with showbiz. She evolved into coaching. She, you know, and it's crazy how things do work kind of in ways that sometimes you don't think it'll go a certain way and it works out anyway. And look at her best-selling author. And she got a lot. If she never went into showbiz, none of this would have come to fruition. Yeah. I love how she said luck only happens if you show up hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I mean, that stuck with me. I mean, we know the game there guys. It's like, even in our markets, when we go and pass stuff out, look at the results, right? Yeah. Though that's one example, but yeah, that's anything in life. You're putting yourself out there. And what's yep. Yogi Berra's quote? I don't know. Then 90% of it's showing up. Isn't it 90% of it showing up? Yeah, I didn't know that was him. Let's see what it is. I'm, I got to pull this up now. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, 90%. 80% of success is showing up. Was Woody Allen though? That wasn't Yogi Berra. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Yogi Berra had a famous line about showing up. Am I missing something here, guys? Are you thinking about Wayne Gretzky? Like you, you know, miss no, 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 Dan. It's wait a minute. I, I'm this is killing me now. I think you're thinking about the Wayne Gretzky line. That, that's what I was thinking about when Mike said that. No, yeah. no, I'm thinking about a famous Yogi Berra quote that, man, I mean, he had, when you, uh, when you find a, when you get to a, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. But that's not what I was thinking of. We should definitely slice up those interviews and, and put them on YouTube. I think the video you, interviews are really good. I agree, Corey. Let's let's have uh, Je Chef Ball or Je I was about to say Jeff Ball. <laughs> Jeff, an attorney tonight? Is he? I don't know. I'm asking you. I, I, it, it's hard to keep track, Dan. I don't know. I don't think so. We need a, like a tonight for Lodell. We got to make a website to follow Jeff's poker results. <laughs> I mean, that would be, we could add, have Anthony add a page to Lodell, keep track of Jeff. <laughs> Where uh, is Jeff? What should we have Jeff title this one? Uh, Laura Berman Fortgang. 
<laughs> what's next? What's next? What's next? I like that. Yeah. What's next with Laura Laura Berman Fort Gang? Look at that. Yeah, it's pretty what a name. Imagine Fort Gang. I love that last name. Really is a good name, Fort Gang. I always thought <laughs> Roland was cool and Aronson, but Fort Gang, <laughs> that's pretty dominant. That is. Great. Sticks with you. Now I'm starving. Well, I'm going to end the broadcast. Subscribe to us, Roland Mark and Mashup. Would be really appreciative if you leave a review too, which you can do at the bottom of the podcast, I believe on Spotify, Apple Music. And uh, but, uh, we'll Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Bootstrapped in the Trenches is our YouTube channel. Thanks, everybody. Bootstrapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lowdell, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.